Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Rabbi Eric Linder. Returning, you've been on here at least once. It's been a while, though. It has been a while. So I'm happy to be here. I feel like your job credit is also in the title. You're a rabbi. <laughs> yes. You're, you are the rabbi that I know the best, but in general, I like rabbis. Um, at least these liberal Jews. <laughs> um, yeah, which was a conversation we had before. I didn't, that wasn't a slander. Right. Yes. Um, in fact, we've had a lot of conversations that never saw the air, the light of day. Would, we would started, folks want to listen to those? I, I need to dig them back up and see if that podcast Could we like started recording should ever get off the ground now. I ran out of time. I just watched a movie called Keeping the Faith. Have you seen that? <laughs> I Not only did I see it, but the first time I saw it, I was like in rabbinical school in Israel, <laughs> and I was single at the time. And so there were a lot of parts of that movie that both uh, gave me a lot of joy and anxiety. I actually, I started a note in drafts. Let's see. Because I realized as it went along, there were a lot of really good lines. And I'm sure oh, that yeah, most of them are. don't make sense out of context. But uh, you win. She put jogging as a skill. She's analyzing synergy or oh, syn <laughs> synergizing analogies or something. All that's these right. All these Jewish moms setting me up on dates I can't refuse. They're like the kosher nostra. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I'm on a, some new Aaron Spelling show, Melrose Priest. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten these, Brett. This is good. You're bringing it back. Wait, you're a Sikh Catholic Muslim with Jewish in-laws. Yes, it gets very confusing. I'm reading Dianetics. I don't do penance. I do shots. Those are That's my notes from watching the movie. It was it was delightful. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. And directed by Edward Norton. A lot of people don't realize that. I didn't realize that. So you've been busy lately. Oh, I have. The The Jewish holidays actually today uh, just ended in terms of the the fall rotation that goes from uh, really Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the new year, through uh, the holiday that, that we celebrated last night and this morning called Simchat Torah, which literally means the joy or the happiness of Torah. And, and it's a fun holiday. Um, but there are a lot packed in, into just a few weeks. And so, uh, yeah, it's nice. It's nice to be done with it. Is that what's called the high holidays? It is. Yeah. Specifically more Rosh Hashanah through Yom, Yom Kippur are 10 days. And, you know, Yom Kippur is super intense. It's, you know, in addition to being a day of fasting, it's, it's probably about 10 hours of prayer um, just in the day of Yom Kippur. The night before we had like a two hour service. Um, but yeah, there, there's very few feelings of relaxation that compare to the feeling of being in a restaurant with just a few friends and my wife eating after Yom Kippur ends. It's kind of amazing. So does that make it worth it? I mean, you know, the whole thing actually in its own unique way is worth it. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's a difference that I found between being kind of a Jew, like a normal Jew, whatever that means, and being a rabbi, you know, as a, as a rabbi leading services, my mind is on the cues and when is the choir going to sing and how does my voice sound on the microphone and all. And, you know, the, 
there's not as much time for my own kind of prayer and introspection. Um, but there are moments. And um, I gave sermons this, these holidays that, that I was particularly proud of. And um, I could sense in the moments that people were, uh, you know, getting meaning out of the services. So in that sense, it, it, it is worth it. I, I do find it meaningful, even if incredibly exhausting. So, yeah, uh, that all sounds exhausting as a parishioner. I can't imagine being clergy for it. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I remember reading a study that I, I think like 80 percent of clergy of, of all um, religions fit a very specific Myers-Briggs um, kind of uh, not stereotype. What's the word? Um, uh, portrait. Formula or, you know, you know, I, I think I'm an ENFP and I think that's what most are certainly E in terms of extrovert. Um, but uh yeah, I mean, I, I I absolutely love what I do, and I find it meaningful. Um, but you know, like like in any other job, there there are moments where you you, you need a breather. Well, sure. <laughs> I just finished a book and took like a week off. Yeah, Mazel Tov, as we say. Hey, yeah, thanks. Um, when when are we writing a book? I want to write a book with you. We can do that. Give me another week. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So what else is going on for you? Oh, man. Well, things are good. I, I actually just recently signed a, a five-year extension contract with my synagogue, which I'm, I'm really thrilled about. Um, so you know, we're, we're feeling, my wife and I are feeling pretty pretty settled here. Um, my band is doing great. I'm, I, I think you may remember I'm in a klezmer band. I play saxophone. And... Um, we're kind of we're kind of a, a a bit to handle. We have nine people in the band, and and it's funny for people who don't know klezmer music. The easiest way to describe it is like Jewish dance or folk music. And you know, if you know Hava Nagila, uh, you know, which is kind of the one the one song non Jews will know. That's certainly in that style. But there is, is the, there's uh, a da, lot da, to da, it. Da, 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 that one. Yep. Now yeah. you just have to get on the dance floor and like throw your legs around absurdly, and yeah. Yeah, you got it. I feel like if uh, I did that, it would be racist. <laughs> I'd be okay with it, Brett. I promise. I promise. <laughs> as long as you did it genuinely, you know, you, you can't do it ironically. You have to. You have to really feel it. I just can't imagine doing it genuinely, or at least looking like I'm doing it genuinely. Got it. Yeah. Um, so you know, the music is fairly complex. So you know, musicians are into it from uh, just kind of a playing interesting music standpoint. And it's funny, we have nine people in our band and only three of us are Jewish. Um, and <laughs> really ironically, our clarinetist named Bud Friedman is not Jewish, but uh, it's great music and we have a blast and we, and we play at some temple events and Jewish events, but most of them are private and we play gigs around Athens. And yeah, that, that's a great kind of counterpoint to my rabbinic life. And sometimes I rap and do silly things. Well, I'm always doing silly things, but uh, yeah, it's a good time. Have you ever heard Gogol Bordello? You know, it's funny. Yes, he's actually coming to Athens in just a few weeks. I have to keep, I keep forgetting to buy tickets. But I've compared us to Gogol Bordello in the sense of the kind of silly antics we do on stage. Yeah. Probably not in terms of talent, unfortunately. And I will, I think I will say that as you describe this, my I'm I'm picturing Gogol Bordello shows. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, th- there really is a similarity and certainly in terms of, I mean, I would, I, I like to think this, that the, the energy of our music and of our shows is, is a similar kind of frenetic thing going on. That sounds like fun. I'd come. Yeah. See you. We're actually playing, um, we're playing this Sunday at a benefit. If you can make it, I'll, I'll give you a free ticket. <laughs> if I can My make treat. it to Georgia by Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. All right. Have your people talk to my people. Done. So, hey, are are you still doing uh, God in the Grit? Uh, not uh, not as uh, regularly as we would like. Uh, my partner is the the blame is completely with me, and it, for I think for me a little bit of it was the high holidays and and that and needing some time off, but. Uh, we we are committed to to doing it. He'll be very happy that you asked. Actually, well, let, let's. Uh, we should probably mention that God in the Grit is your podcast with a a reverend. Yeah, a Presbyterian uh, reverend Craig Topple, who's who's become a very very dear friend of mine. Um, also coming from a lib- somewhat liberal perspective and into. Um, you know, certainly we, I think we share many of the same values in terms of religion and outside of religion. And uh, the, the podcast name is a, a little bit of a double entendre in that, you know, God is in the grit of life. And, you know, we're finding kind of interesting religious allusions to all sorts of things, whether it's movies or politics or just regular life. And then the grit is a pretty well-known restaurant in Athens that we go to a lot. And so we don't record it there. We record it in my basement. Um, but we, we thought that, that that would be an interesting little title. I get it. I see it's what good. you did there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have, I, I listened to the first couple episodes, but I don't, listen to podcasts in general because i don't have a commute um so i've lost track but how many episodes have you done now i think we've done about 10 nice yeah, and uh, you know, i did we, we... i did check the web page i went to ericlinder.com and clicked on god in the grit and it said that it had expired <laughs> yes so you're seeing part of the problem yeah all i need to do is renew it on squarespace i was waiting until we decided fully that we were going to go ahead and continue um but yeah the, the web page is god in the grit.com and it I, I would say you know today is october 12th by the end of october that should be back live and with hopefully some new episodes as well i'm putting a link to uh facebook.com slash god in the grit for now Nice. I tracked it down. Well, I I do I do hope you continue to make those. That is uh it's an intriguing take on religious podcasts. You're an intriguing yeah, it, take on religion. Well, <laughs> well th- I thank you, I think. <laughs> um yeah, I mean Craig and I very deliberately did not want it to be a what does the Torah say about this? What does the New Testament say about this? Although those conversations do happen, but they're a little bit more organic. So, for example, um, like uh, one of our episodes was named that Craig has two very young daughters. And, and one of them had this interesting turn of phrase with, with Craig where she said, Daddy, why does God make us dead? And so we took that title and talked about the afterlife and what is it about? Wh- why are people so um, 
connected to the idea of an afterlife and the importance of how that plays out in their religious beliefs and what do we think about it and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, we, and we, I mean, the truth is we do learn from each other and we have good banter with each other. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a good time. Can you summarize for me why people are so connected to the afterlife? <laughs> to the idea of the afterlife? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think so. <laughs> I, I think it's because people, we want we have problems with finitude and so it is comforting to have a belief that not only will i live forever in some fashion but it but more importantly that my loved ones who died before me are at, are in some sort of peace and are having some sort of 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 intentionality and consciousness, even if it's not of or in this world. Um, so I, I mean, I think that's very primal. I mean, I remember being young and saying to my grandparents, who I love very much, like, "You guys are going to live forever, right?" And it, I, I just think that that's a human uh, desire to to have. I I can I can see that point. I, that, by the way, that doesn't mean that I think it, it's true, but I, I think it's what we want to be true. For sure, especially when you're a kid. Right. I feel like people grow up at some point, though. You know, Except it's, it's, mortality or, or not, I guess. And I think there's also this, um, you know, there's a meaningfulness aspect to it. So, I, you know, Judaism is certainly filled with this, and I believe, you know, Christianity as well, of the idea that, um, you know, I call it the, the San, you know, it, it's a higher level of Santa Claus. Like, God watches us and knows if you're naughty or nice. And so when we are um, in the next world, as Judaism calls it, when we die, there's going to be certain things that are asked of us in certain ways that we're judged. And depending on... Uh, depending on what we've done in our lives, you know, Christians call it heaven and hell. Um, you know, Jews, do, J Judaism doesn't have quite that binary system, but there is this idea that we will enter um, a, a different world, Olam Haba, the next world, and that when the Messiah comes, which this is not a belief, by the way, that many liberal Jews share, but certainly traditional Judaism, that when the Messiah comes, um, the righteous... Jews that lived will be uh, risen up, will be brought back to life. In church, in my childhood, they told us about uh, the houses we get and that the better a person you are, the bigger your house in heaven. And that always struck me as odd. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to make light of that theological belief, but it makes me think of... Um, I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones, Brett, but like when, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're asking to be Lord of a certain, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think we, we want ultimately what we do to matter. And so it's not, you know, you know, you could look at it very um, cynically and say, well, you know, I want the most toys, so to speak, or I want the biggest house. But I, I think it's an idea of we want what we do to matter. And if what we what we do on earth is good that should be there should be some corollary to that of that um you know when we die and I, I get that and i struggle with it because i don't necessarily believe that but i i i mean i want to 
<laughs> yeah, I don't. I want I want people to behave as if the difference they make is here and now. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally do agree with that. And and I would say that um, you know Reformed Judaism, which is kind of my not Eric Linder, but you know the branch of Judaism of my synagogue and the way I was brought up, it, it's very much. And you know it, when people who are non-Jewish come to temple. Sometimes they're surprised by the by in some ways the the mundaneness of it all. Like we there's no talk of the afterlife or of a kind of redemption or being saved by God. There's none of that. All the prayers are very, you know, we're asking for peace, we're asking for for health. And then really um in my view our prayers are really they're best when they serve as a mirror back to us so that we can kind of activate those prayers when we're outside of the sanctuary. The prayers don't, you know, inside the sanctuary, they're nice. Like we're singing, we're, we're with friends, like that's great, but they don't mean anything unless we do something with them when we leave. Sure. I'm on yeah. my little pedestal now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Your pulpit. Do rabbis have pulpits? Well, I've been used to preaching a lot lately, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We didn't do like a, a pre-show, what are we going to talk about things. So th throw something at me. What's on your mind? Well, you know what? I, I just saw Blade Runner 2049, not the old one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to spoil anything. For, yeah, don't. It, it's also funny. It my, my, wife, my wife actually had to explain some things to me, during, which just makes me sad. But... Um, there was this whole, and this this does not ruin it by any stretch, but th there's a, a thread in there about memory and what makes memories r real versus what makes them meaningful. And I just am fascinated by that. I've always been fascinated with the, the topic of memory. And, you know, anyone who studied memory, the, the there's so many fluid things about how our memory works and how we we can swear we remember something one way, but the fact is is that we're wrong. And uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? Memories can be changed too. Like uh, there's been a lot of research in which uh, they attempt to plant modified memories into people just through basically Absolutely. talk therapy. Yep. So they are very malleable. Oh, yeah. And they do seem real a lot of the time. But I've, I've learned never to trust my own memories. But, yeah, no, it is. It, and uh, did you watch Westworld? Oh, yeah. This idea that the backstories they give them and the way that that modifies their artificial intelligence decision making. Uh, yep. Uh, he he loved giving them tragic backstories, the painful memories, right? Because it makes them motivated, right? Wasn't that right. the reason? It, and it yeah. makes them real. So, and I, and I and I do think about that with regard to religion, especially Judaism, which in which memory is so important. I mean, I, I've shared this many times, but the the verb to remember in Hebrew, zachor, is repeated more in the Torah than any other verb. And so, you know, memory is a is a fundamental part of who we are. And yeah, I just find that stuff fascinating. Yeah. So I I I really I am excited about Blade Runner 2049. I I it's rare that I I feel as hopeful about a movie. 
on a scale of one to ten, would you think? I'd say eight. Okay. The I'm, the music, the score is unbelievable. Um, yeah, it makes me want to be in my basement and, and actually do some things with some of the synthesizers I have. I mean, it, it's very loud, but in a um, it, it's just a super interesting soundtrack. It, it reminded me of Dunkirk's score, not in terms of the actual sounds, but in terms of the tone. I, did you see that, Brett? No, Dunkirk? I didn't. Should I? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's, okay. a, that's a good day right there. Dunkirk, Blade Runner, Little Popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> I did buy the, uh, I mean, not that I hadn't seen it a hundred times, but I bought the uh, Blade Runner Final Cut because it was on sale on iTunes for like $9 and it came with all the iTunes extras. That was fun. Watching all those interviews. Finding out exactly how much Harrison Ford hated doing the theatrical release voiceover. Yeah, I've, I think I've only seen that once, which is a bit of a, a, a shame. I, I need to I need to reabsorb that. Yeah, go get the final cut. It has unicorns and everything. Unicorns? Yeah, the unicorns didn't make it into the theatrical release, but they were a big deal in the director's cut. You know what I want, Brett? And if, if there's a listener out there that can make this happen, I want The Abyss to come out on Blu-ray. It is a travesty that The Abyss is not available on Blu-ray. I haven't seen The Abyss since I was uh, significantly younger. But yeah. Also, it I don't have a Blu-ray up. player. so I would it, just oh. love to see The Abyss. Is that is that on like uh, streaming? You know, I don't know. I, I have a, I, I know, I have a kind of fancy DVD set with some extra things on it. But um, that, that I've always loved that movie. Yeah, I'm gonna go find that. It's been a long time. So, are you watching The Good Place? No, no, uh, but I, people tell me I should. It's a delight. My favorite line from the last episode was, um, "Janet, get me a train and fill it to the brim with cocaine." <laughs> what what's that on? I I watch it on Hulu. I can't remember what network. Oh yeah, no, we get Hulu. Um, but yeah, I mean it's basically the first season, it, you don't find out until the end of the season that this heaven that they're all in is actually hell for just five of them and everyone else there is a demon working to make their lives their eternal lives just horrible in a very like um keeping up with the Joneses suburban kind of way. Okay. And it's failing and they keep having to reboot and uh, erase their memories and just try to make life torture for them again while making it look like heaven. Huh. I It's fun. That sounds up my alley. Yeah. I, <laughs> unless you just ruined it for me. I can't tell. Nope. <laughs> just... I ruined the first season for you. Ah, okay. <laughs> and for everyone. But we're in season two now. We're like four episodes in. So catch up. In fact, with what I just spoiled for you, you could probably just start season two. There really, there is so much good stuff out there. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I should thank you. Right. You saved me so much time. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Yeah. So I'm going to take a quick sponsor break before we start the uh, top three picks. Okay. Uh, this episode of Systematic is brought to you by Smile and PDF Pen. 
Uh, you can edit PDFs like the professional you are with the PDF Pen family. PDF Pen for Mac OS is the ultimate PDF editing tool, your Swiss army knife for PDFs. And PDF Pen Scan Plus adds scanning and OCR to your mobile toolkit. So you can scan and OCR when you're away from your desk and your scanner and scan receipts with ease on the go. The new PDF Pen 3 for iPad and iPhone combines PDF tools with the new iOS 11 files infrastructure, making it incredibly easy to access files from a variety of sources, including Dropbox, Google Drive, and anything you can reach via transmit. Uh, you can check out more details at smilesoftware.com podcast and find out all about the PDF Pen family. Thanks to Smile for their support. So, Eric... Yes, sir. That brings us to the top three picks. Let's do it. I think this is going to be interesting. Why don't you uh, you start with your first top pick? So um, my first one is very geeky and not in the slightest uh, highbrow at all. But um, I was able to get my hands on uh, the Super Nintendo Classic Mini when it came out. And I am really liking it. Now, this is the new release of the classic, right? Right. So it's it's super small. You can actually hold it in the palm of your hand. And it's funny. It looks exactly like it's, it's like a miniaturized model of, uh, you know, the, the Super Nintendo system. And, uh, you know, it connects through HDMI and has 21 Super Nintendo games. It comes with two controllers. And uh, it's just a good time. It doesn't take cartridges, though, right? It, it does not take cartridges. It. No, that's probably. And there's best. some other limitations, like the the controllers, the the length on the controllers. It's like four feet, so they really are bringing the nostalgia factor, where you have to sit like four feet from your TV to play. <laughs> you know, like sitting cross legged and just staring at your TV. Isn't there like a a, a uh, what's the CRT mode? There is, yeah. So they ha they have a, a mode that so where there's scan lines. That's right. <laughs> Does it distort the edges? Like well, you, like most again. of those screens used to be curved. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll have to look. That that's a good question. That's funny. I uh, I, I did like Super Nintendo. Um, I never had one as a kid neither did i and i don't know why because i was obsessed with my nintendo i mean obsessed see i i wasn't allowed to have video games at all except for uh sierra king's quest games oh the but best. video games were you know gonna rot my brain so we didn't have any consoles in the house and it wasn't until i was in high school and found an atari 2800 at a garage sale that I got my first video game console, and this is literally like four years before Nintendo 64 came out. So I was a little behind, but I got really into building like uh, MAME kits. Yep. And uh, and I got an EEPROM writer so that I could write my own Atari cartridges and everything. I had fun with it. Those oh, wow. You know, Steve, Steve Jobs, didn't he make Super Breakout or Breakout? My... I have no idea. I'm almost. I've never heard I, such a thing. Yeah, one of your listeners will know. I bet. Yeah, Steve <laughs> Jobs definitely worked for Activision, and I am ninety nine percent sure that he solely is responsible for one of the better known Atari games. And I think it's it's either Breakout or Super Breakout. I think. 
Steve Jobs Atari. I don't know. Have you heard of him? He's the guy who founded Apple. It sounds Steve. sounds familiar. <laughs> it vaguely familiar. Um, yeah, breakout built by Wozniak, aided by Steve Jobs. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. And here I thought they were making Apple computers. That's right. Or 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 boxes to hack your telephone lines. <laughs> I made so many of those. I would have gotten along well with these guys. Oh, of course you would have. Just a few years later. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, so I yeah, basically that, was Steve Wozniak, except I didn't succeed at anything. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. You, you, it seems like you got some stuff going on. So, yeah, Super Nintendo Classic Mini. Good pick. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll go with it. Uh, if I'm going to play video games, they're going to be classics. All right. So my first pick is going to be a role-playing game that I haven't actually played. Uh, but my mom did the uh, copy editing for this guy who made this game. And it's currently a Kickstarter project called Heavy Metal Thunder Mouse. And while I'm, I don't play role-playing games, the artwork is really cool. In this book, the story is, we'll say, intriguing slash amusing. Uh, so I figured I would uh, go ahead and put this pick up and a link to the Kickstarter. For 20 bucks, you get uh, affiliate status, which I guess is what they call people who hang out with biker gangs but aren't actually bikers. Uh, they're affiliates. So that gets you like a, a copy of the book when it's finished and everything. So. And is that um, is the game a, a, a tabletop game yeah, or a video it's a game? Tabletop RPG. Oh, okay. And you get to like define kind of like the mission of your gang. Are you going to be uh, like Robin Hood's going out and stealing cheese for everybody, or are you going to be a vicious like gang rivalry kind of situation? Uh, you get to you get to write that story. Very cool. Do you play role-playing games? Uh, video games, not not so much tabletop. Um, my wife and I have been really into Settlers of Catan, which I wouldn't call a role-playing game. But um, have you have you played that? I have. Uh, I have not. I've played the like two-person card version. Okay. So I understand but, the concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I've never got into the tabletop thing. But I feel like I could. It's one of those things that it's not it's not a far stretch for for me to add that into my obsessions. I uh I've been enjoying the game Flux. Have you played this? I don't think so. It's a card game. I have the Firefly edition of Flux. And uh it's basically a game that starts with really basic rules like draw one, play one. And uh every card has there's goals and as someone eventually plays a goal and then that'll list like what cards you need to have to win except for every time someone finds a goal they can replace the goal and then all the cards can change the rules like it can go from like now you have to draw five but you're only allowed to have one in your hand so you have to play and discard everything and then they'll flip the rules and all there's cards that make just everyone discard their entire hand and draw again um, so all of your strategy immediately goes out the window and it's 
once you get used to the unpredictability and chaos of it, it's actually really fun. Huh. Oh, I like yeah. that. I'm gonna I'm gonna add settlers and flux to my notes here. Okay. Yeah. So, do you have another pick? Uh, sure. So, um, the 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 next pick I have. Um, now I'm forgetting what I told you, Brad. I know the third one. I'm I'm saving that one for last. My my good serious one. Oh, I know what the second one was. I gotten made fun of a little bit on this one but it's the band fish i'm gonna make fun of you just seeing so yeah so so i'm 43 years old and I, I have for some reason i come to things late i started liking nine inch nails way after they were like when i was in high school and everyone thought it was it, it was the cool thing to like them could not get into them in in my 30s is when i started being obsessed with nine inch nails like there's all sorts of things like that for me that i have never got into until late and you know i wouldn't necessarily compare fish with nine inch nails but um (laughs) yeah but so i guess it started a few months ago fish did this 13 show tour uh residency at madison square garden do you know about this no so they called it the baker's dozen and I didn't go to any of these shows. I was just reading about it. Oh, I thought it. you were going to say you went to all of them. You know, like, I actually have a band. friend in Athens that went to every one of them. Now, to me, that's like a job at that point. but um, Or just a really bad life decision. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's certainly a lot of money involved. I was thinking about that, too. <laughs> but So they, they played these 13 shows. They didn't repeat a single song. And each of their... Uh, each so of basically, the sh- they played 13 songs. Right, right. Yeah. And and then each of their sets was named for a flavor of donut. Yeah. So it kept that kind of like meta theme of Baker's Dozen and then and then they would have teases or not teases, they, they would have songs that played to either, you know, the lyric would be like a, a the donut name. So like what one one night was called Strawberry Jam. And that one, it was like five songs per set, and they were all 20 to 25-minute long jams. Other ones were more literal, where they would, you know, um, uh, like there was a purple, and they and they played, they played, either they played Purple Haze, or, oh, they played uh, Prince, uh, Purple Rain, and so th- th- things like that. And I just, the, the idea of that really appealed to me, and so I started reading about it, and then I started reading about them, and then a friend sent me links to those things shows and then i went very very deep down a rabbit hole where i would say in about a month i probably listened to 40 hours of fish so again like 13 songs (laughs) which you might also classify as a bad life decision but i don't know i i feel like i learned a lot and i had fun and and like they are i think good musicians i mean you you know I, i get that they have a niche and and you know people can roll their eyes at it and it's not their thing i totally do get that um but they are accomplished musicians and um sure and that's that's why i dislike them i should say these days i'm you expect you expect more from them like they are good musicians yet they choose to do 25 minute jams wandering annoying yeah it it, it frustrates me yeah I, i could see that i can see that yeah also, I, I like I like music and I dislike patchouli and yeah. So anyway, uh, I am currently 
uh, sharing a uh, Plex library with someone who, and I, I, I don't know if I should out them, but they have hours of fish footage, like bootleg videos from concerts. I, I just, I can't. I, I will admit I don't give it much of a chance. What is it that? What? Why should I like fish? So, so one of the things that I do like, and this is exactly one of the things that people hate, is I like the inside nature of it. Like, I like that you can listen to a song and not really know anything. And you, you might hate the song, but you also might like it. But then if you, you know, you, there's a, an unbelievable website. I mean, the, the amount of data that's on this is crazy. It's, it's, I think it's just fish.net, where they, they'll have set lists and you can see how many times they played this song or the average number of, of gaps. So, like, you know... How, how long is it since they played that song and what's the average? I mean, it, it, it's insane. It's completely insane. But then you can kind of learn things and then and then sometimes it, it's like Easter eggs. It's like Easter eggs in, in a video game, actually, that you can, you know, you can play the video game and have no idea they exist and like it. But then, you know, they exist and you're kind of like an insider. And then it gives you something to talk about with other people who played the game. And it's kind of like this this unspoken community. Okay. And like that can be frustrating too. Like, like what? Like it, it makes it a little bit not as accessible. I think it um, also makes fish fans not as accessible. Yeah, yeah, that that, <laughs> that, that makes sense. I guess. I don't know. I'm gonna send you like two albums to listen to. I, then... I have maybe an extra thirty minutes of free time in my day, so I would say <laughs> send me a song. One song. Gotcha. All right. So. Uh, We'll move on to my second pick, because I don't want to sit here and be negative about fish all day. No, it's, no, it's okay. I mean, I, I hear it from a lot of people. It's fine. <laughs> that's that's comforting to me. I, I've always felt... I hang out with a bunch of hippies now. It's not, like, normal to dislike jam bands. Right. Anyway, um, so last episode, I talked about a uh, an AR ruler or like a room measuring tool and in the process of uh researching those i found another one called air measure used to be called ar measure and i think i have that one it's so cool uh like if you position your phone right you can tap the screen and then draw a tape measure onto any object and i i tested it like i drew a tape measure onto a yardstick and it's pretty darn accurate considering it's a tape measure just floating there. Um, I I have found it not... I, I haven't had a, a need to take the accurate measurement since I got the app. But I am excited <clears throat> to find a reason to really test it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I found that... Uh a similar thing with the AR stuff that's come out. It's like, it's it, I'm using it simply because it's cool and not because I actually need to use it. It's not solving a problem, but it is pretty damn cool. Well, like I, I use my iPhone almost exclusively for measuring uh, exclusively as in, I don't use rulers much anymore. Um, there are a ton of apps for basically like the one I use most often, it just has a ruler on it. And then if you touch it with your finger and drag the phone under your finger while holding your finger in place, 
it just moves the ruler within the screen. And so you can measure long things. Um, I have used that many times. It would, in some cases, be easier for me to just go find a ruler. But I these AR ones, I'm, I'm excited. I think the future is bright. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very cool. Yeah. Have you played any of the games? I haven't. Like, I'm excited to. I haven't really looked into any of it yet. I had yeah, never ne- even played Pokemon Go, so... Oh, ne- neither have I. I. That is something I will make fun of. But um, the 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 game that they featured at uh, WWDC, I have not yet downloaded. But um, was curious if oh if that you like tabletop it. war game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't either. All looks fun to me though. All looks yeah, like more if- fun than sitting around a TV. Well, there is. A, well, there's. It's also a novelty thing. Like we're we're not used to doing that. Sure. But I think it's also like anyone who has played games sees that and sees the potential there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I may, I mean, maybe we'll have to download it and see if we can play against each other. There's a reason things like we and Connect are so popular. Things, uh, things change. People yeah. want games that take physical space. Yeah. At least some people do. Very true. All right. So last pick. So my last pick, I was thinking about this a lot. You know, you, you asked me uh, the kind of the beginning of the episode what, what's been going on, and um, you know, one of the things uh, about my about my job is is you know, there's lots of kind of powerful moments in every day in terms of interacting with people at happy moments, sad moments. Then we've had the holidays. Um, so my my pick is in that kind of schema, but it. it it's it's not unique to my congregation is it's actually um interfaith relationships and um i'll explain that just just for a, a minute if that's okay is that um you know i'm the we're the only synagogue in athens this is not like new york or chicago where there's a huge jewish population and um you know athens georgia is known uh for being kind of a a diverse welcoming city and and i've certainly found that to be the case um but i also want that to continue to to be true for others also and i i don't think those things are accidents i think they happen by people working at them and so um a few months ago uh, a few uh, different clergy leaders um uh, mostly christian and then the local imam and then myself uh, started talking about having an interfaith organization, and and we we do the interfaith clergy partnership of Greater Athens. We we have an acronym like any good organization worth its salt, ICGPA, and we have a, a I don't like to say a meeting because the the word meeting kind of gives me uh, you know like like <laughs> it kind of gives me a makes me shake a little bit, but a gathering where we'll have a program. Um, sometimes it's been a speaker, like we had the, we have a new superintendent of schools here in Athens, Georgia. We had him speak to us about kind of concerns in public schools and how that might play into public religious life. And, um, we've had roundtable discussions amongst ourselves about things like institutional racism and, um, you know, economic problems, healthcare problems. And in November, we're having a, an interfaith Thanksgiving service. And uh, we're hoping to have over a thousand people attend. And I, I think things like that are what 
may, you know, you and I have talked about this before, Brett, some of the problems in religion. And I think when we re have real relationships of people different than us, in this case, well, it's racial and religious in this case, um, not only do we learn and kind of grow as individuals, but it, when we talk about, you know, making America better, making it more tolerant, um, these are the things that I think really do make a difference. And uh, I'm really, I'm really proud of that. And I'm really happy about it. I've made some great friends through it. Um, you know, it's nice to have colleagues that I'm able to have lunch with and it's like we kind of understand each other to a certain degree. And so, uh, yeah, that, that's my third pick today. So I assume that at these uh, gatherings, not meetings, uh, that there's not a lot of theological discussion then. We, you know, we haven't done that yet. It's on the table in terms of like learning. So, you know, we, we might one day have a panel of like, you know, I mean, I'm the only rabbi. We have like 30, you know, priests and ministers. There's one rabbi, one imam. We have a few Buddhists. We have Baha'i. We have Unitarian. Um, but like to have a panel on something like, like life after death and how does eat, you know, how do your various religious communities deal with that or, or something like, you know, God's commandedness. Um, but we have not done that yet. That's right. Huh. I think that would be uh, potentially disastrous, but I would love to be in the room for that. Well, you, you know, I, I mean, I'm inviting you to a lot of things today, Brad, but uh, <laughs> well, and the, the other thing, too, about it, and um, this is actually something that our steering committee is struggling with is to a certain degree, we're self-selecting. So in other words, like if you're going to be in a group that takes interfaith relationships and interracial relationships seriously, that says something, doesn't say everything by no means, but it says something about your leanings um, theologically, possibly politically. And so as one might guess, we don't have a lot of conservative colleagues in that group. Um, you know, it's certainly not all you know, like completely liberal the way, you know, my, my movement is, is the liberal branch of Judaism. Um, but, you know, we do have, a, we have a, a set of principles that we put, put us, put in front of everyone. And we're like, look, not, it's very possible that you might not agree with some of these principles and that is completely okay. But then this group's not for you. And one of the principles is that, um, Oh, my, one of my colleagues, uh, Reverend Baxley, uh, put it perfectly. It's basically the idea that I, as X, and, you know, put in whatever religious tradition you are, right? So I, as Jew, Catholic, Christian, Muslim, do not possess all of the truth that there is to know about God, something like that. And that, you know, and not everyone believes that, right? Like some people do think that they do have the truth and, and that works for them. But then this group is not, is not going to work for them. Yeah. Some religions are based on the idea that there is only one truth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I grew up there. Um. <laughs> but, but look at you now. <laughs> um, now yeah. you have the truth, Brett. That. <laughs> So uh, it's funny that you picked that because my third pick is uh, almost the same in like no way, uh, in a not at all sort of way. Uh, gaffer tape. Tell me everything. Uh, this uh, it, I I asked in uh, in our Slack channel uh, at systemcast.net 
uh, that uh, people start tossing me top picks because I run dry very quickly. And uh, Jeff Youngstrom pitched out real premium grade gaffer tape uh, with an Amazon link. And I had forgotten, but I dated a theater major back in college, uh, ended up working uh, props department for a semester and had fallen in love with gaffer tape. Did you know what this is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's 10 times better than duct tape. It costs more, but it's the greatest. It, it's duct tape plus, and it's not made for ducks. <laughs> it's made for, you know, mostly, I, I think originally designed for marking, like putting marks on stage floors. Right, but, well, that's why it's called gaffer, right? Like, you yeah. know, that's what a gaffer, do, yeah. But it is handy for just about anything where you need, where you would use duct tape, but then you feel bad because duct tape leaves all the gummy goo and right. starts to uh, crinkle up. And yeah, no, gaffer tape. So that is absolutely a pick. I have a link to uh, the the one on Amazon that says that all the other ones are fake. It is the uh, one true god of gaffer tape. There, I tied it together. Nice. Well done. Thank you. Well, well done. Now you can measure something in your AR app and then and then put it with put the tape it, on yeah. top of it. Yeah. Oh man, can you imagine if we all had glasses with AR and actors could just see marks on the floor that weren't there? Oh, I like that. Yeah, me too. This is going to get interesting. Living Our, in the future. So, is uh is ericlender.com the best place for people to find you? Actually, I think it's rabbi EricLinder.com. Hold on. I'm going to look right now. I wrote now. this down. Is Where it sad I... that I don't know my own? Yeah, it's RabbiEricLinder.com. Yes. As a matter of fact, EricLinder.com, I believe, is a realtor because I tried to get it years ago. No, it's uh, Eric Linder for County Supervisor of the Ooh. City of Corona. But, Not even uh, Comptroller. Come on. Yeah, I, I post um, the sermons that I'm most pleased with or that I thought went over well, I don't post every week, but I, I try to do like a best of and um, there's some other random things in there and links to God and the grit and things like that. That will work by the end of October. That will work. Good, good memory. Yes. <laughs> and then you are Rabbi Linder on Twitter. I think you had two Twitter accounts. Didn't I you? actually have four because because of all these personas. So, yeah, uh, the in terms of. You know, uh, current events, theology, Judaism, politics, Rabbi Linder would be the one. Um, the one where I first met you, actually, Brett, was E-R-O-X-X, which I, I'd like to joke is, is my rapper name. But that's my that's my handle for like geeky Apple things, um, you know, apps, programs, stuff like that. And then I have one um, for music and because that the the music stuff in my life is so in terms of creating music and like uh production tools and software it's such a rabbit hole that that kind of necessitated its own thing and so i have one for that also it's a little ridiculous what's that one called what is that one called is it electronic music because I, I don't really post on it as much as read in, in in you know in subscribing to all these people um Oh, no, electronic E-Rocks. That's right. <laughs> okay. And then there's also a God in the Grit Twitter account. Correct. Which is active, theoretically. 
theologically. The, ooh, nice. Um, yeah, we'll have to get you on a guest for that, actually. <laughs> I don't know a rabbi, a priest, and an atheist walk Absolutely. into a coffee house. Hmm. Speaking of um, bad jokes, you, you, you want two good one-liner psychology jokes? I sure do. All right, so Sigmund Freud uh, is having dinner with a bunch of friends, and he, th- and he says, so who the hell is this Rorschach guy, and why is he painting pictures of my parents fighting? <laughs> and, then the, and then the second is Pavlov goes into a bar, hears a phone ring, and thinks to himself, oh, my God, I forgot to feed the dog. Uh, oh, no. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave those in the show out of respect <laughs> to you. I don't know whether I should thank you or, or say, please don't, but I would like to thank you for being here. Oh, Brad, it's a pleasure. I always enjoy talking with you. You, you, you're, 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 you always have something to say about a variety of topics, which I, which I appreciate. And sometimes they're even nice and kind. (laughs) I'm actually a nice person. I think that you are actually, I think you're one of those people that, that likes to sometimes pretend you're not, but you know that you are. Yeah, I know, and it it, it frustrates me that I am. Hmm. So I'm the rabbi, but my wife's my wife is a therapist. So you know, we, we could get get a group rate or something in there if you if you want. Ooh, and we could just do a great big podcast. Oh, she had, we were gonna have a podcast, my wife and I, and we we had a title for it. It was gonna be God on the Couch. <laughs> do you watch Lucifer? No. Oh, I really enjoy watching the scenes where the devil goes to therapy. Oh, interesting. Oh, I think you would like that show, too. It's killing me today. Fascinating. Based on the the comic uh, partially created by uh, uh, Neil Gaiman. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am a fan of him. Yeah. He has a new show coming out, too. Neil does called... Um, Something tales, something real. I forget. I've already paid for it. I'm waiting for it to come out now. Um, but also, uh, did you see what was the one that was just on Stars Network? Um, the Gods, something American Gods. Oh no, I didn't find that no. one. That one's also great. Okay. It's a whole list of slightly theological shows for you. Yeah, I have a lot of homework. For you, here. <laughs> you have a lot of TV you. to watch if you can get over the fish this? albums. How about this? I will watch all of those if you release that new version of Envy Alt. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, that's a sore spot for me right now, but I am oh, definitely, I'm sorry. I, I'm I, definitely I didn't, working I didn't, on it. I didn't mean it as such. You, you could delete it if you'd like. <laughs> no, we'll leave it in there. Uh, it's it only is, because I'm so excited about it. It is coming. Having finished that book, I feel like, oh, I can't actually finish things these days. So Yeah. I got back into it, so it'll happen. That's actually one, probably one of the few apps that has been a complete consistent for me. Like I switched from OmniFocus to to Todoist. You know, I've switched email clients, uh, word processors. I, I instead of ByWord, I'm in Ulysses now. But NVAlt is a constant. Yeah, I know. Me too. All right, so. Uh, that you can find me at brettterpshire.com, TT Scoff everywhere. You can join the systematic community at uh, join.systemcast.net to get an invite into the Slack room. 
I will eventually have a real Facebook group set up, but for right now, that is how to communicate with uh, fellow listeners and guests. And uh, also, Overtired, Overtired came back, and then we had a couple weeks of scheduling issues. It'll be back again soon, so check that out at esn.fm slash overtired. And thanks again, Eric. Thank you. And we'll see everybody in a week. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. 